what makes good partnership? How do you link arms well together? Yeah, yeah. So I've been, uh, I've partnered with a church before in the past mm. and it was, it didn't feel like a partnership. Mm. It just felt like we came in and we were renting their space. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, we didn't really know their community. They didn't know our community. And uh, it felt very lonely. It felt like we were in this alone. And we did this right when we planted. And so we are still new to the game. We're surrounded by people that have planted, who've been around, established. And we're like, it'd be nice to kind of learn from them. It'd yeah, be yeah, nice sure. to kind of, <laughs> how do you guys do that? Yeah. Uh, but there was no relationship, nothing like that. And so when it was actually time to come partner with Westwood, we were hesitant. Oh, sure. Uh, we were, we, we had to really pray through that and not just convince the leadership team. We really had to convince our community that this was an actual partnership. Hmm. And we felt that from the very beginning, as soon as we had those initial conversations, we could tell from the tone of the voices, the, the mannerisms, the body language, that this was, this was going to be a true partnership just to learn from one another, do community together. I mean, we've gone to each other's houses and, just spending time together, dreaming together. I mean, every month, all the leaders and pastors from the near ministry at Bush Lake campus, we get together. Yeah, you guys come together, right? We eat food. Yep. Oh, for sure. <laughs> really good food. <laughs> we talk about uh, what's going on in everybody's ministry, yeah. things that we could be praying for one another about. And then we dream. What? How can we... How can we see the kingdom of God expand in our local context and in our city? And so that's very different. I don't know if anything like this exists. Hmm. Um, I know I've never been a part of something like this before, but it has really helped me in, in great ways. And so no, I'm very grateful for this partnership and all the ways it's even inspired Perizim Church and the ways we want to go moving forward. On that idea of vision, where we're headed, how, how is Perizim involved in that? Like, what are you guys seeing in terms of impact or in terms of reach that's helping you feel a sense of like, God's doing this thing? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. I see that everywhere. Whether it's the way we're rubbing shoulders with the staff here at Westwood, uh, doing ministry together. Like I think about Monday, Thursday last year, mm. and I got to be a, a part of that. Yeah. And that was such a powerful moment where we got to minister the the last words that Jesus shared mm. on the cross. And I was like, wow, I, I, I didn't know these people in this room literally six months ago. Right. And now we are engaging in the gospel together. Wow. That was such a powerful moment. And that's what family is. It's like, I, I didn't know you, but the gospel, the blood of Jesus has made us one. Come on. And we have this commonality that's greater than any other thing, right. which is what salvation has done for us, yeah. made us children of God. It's cool. Ben, last word to you. What are you most excited about as we move this near vision forward? I'd say the multiplication factor. Mm. There is a momentum and there's something that is happening, not just physically at the space at Bush Lake, but beyond that in the Twin Cities and people coming together from different backgrounds with the same gospel heart. Wow. And it, it feels like the beginning of something significant. Pastors Ben and Ebenezer for their leadership. You know, I'm in these jet streams around the Twin Cities of, of leaders, and God is raising up new leaders. These, these guys are extraordinary, humble servants of the Lord, and I just thank them for all that they're doing. I thank all of you for joining us online at West Tonkin Bush Lake, wherever you might be, and if you're a guest today, just delighted to have you with us. And uh, let me give you some context. If you're a guest especially, you go, what is this near ministry that you have? And I'll unpack that a little bit in the service today, but there's, oh, oh, yeah, this is... 
Could you even hear me? Oh, yeah. Come up here and help me a second, would you? This is Carrie, by the way. This is my, yes. Just grab, put that up in my. Oh, here it is. I didn't even see it. Can you tell? Hang on. I know how to do this. It's been a lot of years, Chris. I'm good. This is Chris. He helps us. Thank Chris, too. This is what's happening because now I'm going to these less meat gatherings afterwards and so it comes off. I got to remember to put it on. We're creatures of habit, are we not? All right, the service is going to go two minutes long. Okay, what I wanted to do is give you some context. So a a few years ago, we decided to invest in creating this space called The Hub over in our Bush Lake campus. Shout out to Bush Lake, your extraordinary ministry center over there and all the people come alongside of you. But the goal here was to partner with culturally diverse leaders in 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 the Twin City area and multiply the work of God by bringing blessing into the different people groups that are coming into the Twin Cities. It has been a rush. I don't know if you know, the Twin Cities is changing massively. And we're gonna be at the front line of being God's servants in that. And people go, you're an outer ring suburban community church, although Bush Lake, you're right in the heart of it. We're grateful for that. Why would you do that? Because it's the heart of God. And that's what we wanna be about, the heart of God, ultimately. And Ebenezer says, you know, I've never seen anything like this. He's a young guy. I've been doing this for 43 years in ministry in the Twin Cities. I've never seen anything like this. The people that are coming into the Twin Cities the, the pastors that are willing to link arms together to be the church of Christ and go, finally, let's be the church and make a difference in this community. And that's what we're seeking to do. I want to do two things today. We're going to be teaching from Nehemiah chapter 11. I want to weave in with my title of the message today is repopulation as they try to repopulate their city with the population shift that's happening in our churches and in our twin cities at large that informs our decision making as it relates to the near ministry. But you know, I'm gonna tell you today, I'm gonna stretch your hearts because we're gonna go right to the heart of God, but it's for people who look different than us. And it would be easy for us just to detach and go, well, that wasn't for me. No, this is the heart of God, this is for us. And the greatest challenge we have coming to receive the message is because we have so much brokenness in our own lives. And some of you came today and you're in a tough place and you're, you're kind of consumed in that given moment, right? And it's hard to get your eyes off of just the challenges that you have. But can I just tell you, God is with you. You're in his mighty right hand today as we come. I want to invite you to open yourself to the heart of God for people who are in completely different places than we are. And I think I just need to, you can tell I've already done some ministry this morning, I, unexpected. And we need the love of Christ. We need the healing touch of Christ in our lives. So... To help our ears hear, could you just join me in a brief prayer? Lord, I don't know where everybody comes from. I don't need to know, but you do. You have eyes to see what we cannot see. And you have ears to hear when we're hard-pressed to put words to the reality, the challenge, the difficulties, the loss, whatever it is that we're going through in life. But Lord, it's in those places. We are never more sure of your presence. You meet us in places of suffering and challenge more than anything and you open us to your heart. And today we're gonna open up Nehemiah in a few moments, and Father, I just pray your heart for the nations 
um, would just take hold of us. That even when we have our personal realities, that we avail ourselves to your greater vision. So guide my words, may they be of the Spirit. Guide the hearts of all who are here gathered that they'd be open to your presence, your provision for our personal need, but for the needs in our greater Twin City area and beyond. We give this to you in Jesus' name, amen. Good. That was a whole different beginning than anything I've done so far today, but thanks for being with me in it and uh, just want us to know that God is doing a great work in you and for you and through you. The question is, do we want him to? And if we do, his promise is that he will make himself known and he will make clear to us what he has made us to be. Uh, how we're to use our hands and our feet and all of that. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've given you a really bold invitation to become an FP, a first paragrapher. That is, would you consider saying yes to put your name and your story in the first paragraph of Westwood's next chapter called Love Builds? It's a two-year generosity initiative um, that will accelerate our here, near, far vision and catapult us to our 2028 goal. And it's a big goal. We're asking in this two years that there would be an expanded giving of our church family. That's what we're calling a generosity initiative above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings that we would be able to see $9 million come in to accelerate that mission and vision. And you know what's fun about it is that, um, that God is already doing that in, in our own backyard, but he was doing it in Nehemiah as well. In fact, in Nehemiah, you find that there's a parallel track. He's inviting people to become FPs, first paragraphers, in that he's inviting them to put their name and their story in the first paragraph of Jerusalem's future in an initiative called Love Builds. But they're building buildings. We're, we're building uh, on the vision that God gives to us. And their devastation was great. As you know, the city is in ruins. That's where we left them. And we get this glimpse as we see the earthquakes, the violent earthquakes in Turkey, you get a sense of this is what it was like in Jerusalem. And so they had a hard time um, getting people to repopulate and to come in. But here's God at work to do it because it needs to be done in order for the city to flourish all over again. And so we find that there is this need because they don't have enough people to build the infrastructure, to build homes, and they're not safe. Theirs isn't because of violent earthquakes, it's because of the violent Babylonian invasion that took place 140 years earlier. They've been in this devastation. And so they must repopulate, but who wants to live in ruins? When you see the pictures in Turkey and all of that, you see those, you wanna leave. So many millions of people have left those communities. Now they have to repopulate to flourish again. And that's really the message that I have for us today is repopulating is our sustaining hope. Repopulating is important in every life cycle, every organization, you have to have new people come in and other people return. And in Jerusalem, they need people to come back. And so do we, by the way. In America, the church has really been impacted by the pandemic in a shocking way, quite honestly. The American Enterprise Institute just came out with research about faith in America post-pandemic was the article. And I was shocked to learn that 60, or, um, 36% fewer people are attending church than pre-pandemic. 36%. I just, can I give an invitation? Let's invite them back. 
wherever you might be, come back. And we're gonna learn from Nehemiah some of the strategies that he gave to the people then that really help us today as well. How did Nehemiah repopulate um, the city of Jerusalem when it's just the way it looks? I mean, it's just in a tough place, it's devastation. Well, there are a number of strategies he used. I'm gonna look at a couple of them today. First of all, uh, he cast Lot. And Nehemiah 11.1 says, now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem, the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every 10 of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while remaining, the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. So you have this picture that there were a group of people that were already there, but then they cast lots to get people coming from other towns in Judah, in the surrounding Persian communities, that one in 10 would come back in by lot selection. We go, that's not a strategy we're much accustomed to. We don't do much casting of lots for such things as this. But occasionally we do. I think in my own life, I, I married a girl that was a casting lot scenario. I really did. I mean, here they are. It's like they have a hat in Jerusalem and they're pulling out names and saying the person from this town needs to come, a person from this town, the others can stay, but we need to have somebody from all these towns come in from the different tribes, et cetera. Well, Carrie and I were at Bethel University. Many of you know this story, but we were on the Welcome Week staff and we were gonna welcome in new students. I didn't know who Carrie was at all. There were about 40, I don't know, 50 of us who were leaders and there was a hat in the middle of the room and we had to draw a name out of the hat and that person would be the person we would pray with during the course of that week. And I got the name Carrie Hallstrom. I said to the guy next to me, who is Carrie Hallstrom? And he pointed to this beautiful Swedish girl, <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes. And I said, I, I can pray with her. <laughs> I was 19. This is what you think of at 19. Definitely can pray with her. Can I say, there's a moral to the story. Those who pray together, stay together. Sometimes it's been 43 years and I love this girl as much as I did in that given time. Just a beautiful gift in my life. But they, they, you know, they had this casting lot situation. I started thinking about it. We really did the same thing coming out of the pandemic because people were coming back very slowly and our staff gathered together and we picked. We said, call this person, you call this person, you call this person. You know, you come into this environment and you feel like everything's beautiful, everything's taken care of, everything is fulfilled. I go, it is not. We are repopulating coming out of the pandemic. Can I just make that really clear? And we need you, some of you, to return and to step back in. Some of our ministries have been completely reset. They, they ended up at ground zero, we built them up. I feel like I've been starting a church all over again on many fronts. And slowly, it's coming together, and there's these waves of people coming. So I just invite you, I would say one in 10 in Jerusalem, they said the local town, so I just say one in 10 who are online, I'm not drawing your names, but consider coming back and returning. And the rest of you can continue because online is going to be part of our journey, but we'd like to see a new wave of people return so we can move forward. That's one thing they did is they cast lots, but that's not the only thing they did. They did something that I think is better. They volunteered themselves to come. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. And that word commended really stands out to me because you know what it is when you're in a place of great need and somebody, sometimes unexpected people raise their hand and say, count me in. I'll come into that devastated area, that place of need, and I'll help meet that need. It just 
does something into your heart. You go like, you, you would? And, and they felt that way. You'd be willing to come into this devastated community and, and help in the rebuilding effort and repopulate the area? Thank you for doing that. No, when you say and embrace the reality that God wants to do a great work in you and for, from, for you and through you, I'm telling you, God shows up. And he lifts up everybody who's impacted by that kind of generosity. In fact, I was so taken by this verse, I did a word study on the word volunteered here. And the Hebrew word, interesting, is hitnadvud. So class, we're learning today, this is Hebrew class 101. Repeat after me this Hebrew phrase, hitnadvud. Yeah, you seem like you're just learning Hebrew, so let's try it again. Hitnadvud, hitnadvud. And inherent is generosity, willingness, and nobility. But the root of this word really took my breath away. It comes from the root word navid, navid. And navid is the word that you find in the Hebrew scriptures um, related to the name of a, to, to the prin, to a prince or to a noble. And I go, oh, to volunteer is to enter into the noble cause of God's work. And do you think that delights the heart of God? When we raise our hand and say, count me in, I want to be part of that journey. And that's exactly what you have, this willingness, this stirring up inside that says, I want to be part of repopulating. I want to be part of the solution to the challenges that we face, that we might flourish again. And what if they do? Well, the city will flourish and it will rebound. And that's exactly what happens to Jerusalem. And what if they don't? Then flourish they won't. And nor will we. We need new people. We need um, people who've been with us for a long time to step back into the life and the journey. In fact, there are several groups, and, and I'll, I'll just put this out there. I mean, if, if you're currently not volunteering anywhere right now, I encourage you to consider it. Step in. We have plenty of opportunity for you to do so. And, uh, and, and step into the hope of what comes with that territory. I just invite you, you can just fill out in your engagement card. I'm open to volunteering, what can I do to learn more? And we'll get in touch with you, we'll help lay it out, and you'll get a good feel for it. As you go into Nehemiah 11, it's one of these chapters that you wanna skip because it's filled with names and things that people did and you don't know the names of the people so you just kind of want to skim over the chapter. But if you sit in it longer, there's some real nuggets in this thing. And I identified at least three primary groups that are there. There is the, the, the common core group that had kind of slowly made their way. Last week we talked about it in Nehemiah 10, about 50,000 people, but then new people that came in on top of it. And can I just say something about people who are newer? So if that's you, I don't know if this is your church home. You'll have to discern that. But if it's your church home, I would say, don't be an attender, be a member. Say yes to give your time, talent, and treasure to the great cause of God at work because new people ignite and reignite the vision of God in community. We need it. It's like our own body, you know, your blood reproduces itself. And you need blood to do that, to stay alive. And so does the Church of Christ. We want to repopulate, not just with people who've been with us, but new people, you are here, we we welcome you, we want you to be part of our life and our journey. Um, So just consider that possibility. So that's one group that came over. There's a second group, and they worked inside the temple. And I was shocked, when you read it, it's amazing how many people, it takes a lot of people to serve the cause of Christ. We find that Yadiah, Yachin, Sariah, the official in charge of the house of God and their associates who carried on work for the temple. And if you read all the names there, they add up to 822. It's, kind of, you know, it's interesting to me, why not just round up? 
We're, we're in a culture that we like to round up, but no, it's 822 because they all count. And in his names and responsibilities of staff and lay people who served inside the context. And I think about us in our own given journey as well, because at Westwood, in our repopulation effort, there's needs for hundreds at all of our different sites, hundreds. So again, you come in and everything looks like it's all together, it's all comfortable. No, we need you. We're still repopulating. It incrementally, every week it gets stronger. People are coming back, raising their hand. It's really needed from kids to students to adults, from care providing to um, prayer leading. with plenty of opportunities to serve in those arenas. From, in today's world, so different, running cameras and the technicians that are needed. I mean, it's complex to do um, online ministry today. We're all, if you're technically oriented, we have a space for you to come in and serve or to potentially step into hospitality. You know that the Church of Christ grew, it, it just took off in the first century because of hospitality. People opened up their homes and the name of Christ was spread. And so hospitality ministry, serving in the parking lot when it's 20 below, it's just for you. <laughs> I'm grateful for that team, for the ushers and the hosts and everybody who steps into small groups. And if you're not in a small group, it's one of those places where you get to know and be known. I just encourage you, get involved with a small group. We need small group leaders. We're doing this geo group and it's been so successful. People are coming back into their homes, but we could use more leaders to those geo groups. And just, again, put that in your engagement card. We'll follow up with you. So there's massive work taking place on the repopulation of people coming in to build infrastructure, homes and on the like with it, but also there's a category of people who serve outside. It's one of my favorite things about God's heart. He's always got his eye on those outside who have yet to come in. I love the compassionate heart of God. And there's this verse that stood out to me so powerfully. There's a list of all these names, but this one bounced off the page. Mataniah, the director who led in thanksgiving and prayer. For those, not just on the inside, his primary responsibility was for those on the outside. He's helping people on the outside remember that God is alive. He's calling us home. And he's got a prayer ministry that doesn't just take care of us and our own, but is focused on the hearts of brokenness of those that are all around us and need the healing touch of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, the hope of the Lord. What a beautiful ministry. As they continue to just ruminate on that, the, the, the beauty of that, this given guy, Matt Naya, I started to think about what we do at Westwood with our kids ministry, puts out this children's Bible. So if you have a new baby that's come into your home, you, you'll receive, if you fill out the card um, and indicate your presence with us, this is a beautiful Bible. Before it comes to you, it comes to me. And I write a note in it, and I write a verse, I, I choose a verse from the name that's there that I think would align that could be a verse of life for that given child. And it, we started doing this in our first year, 1995. And I checked with our kids ministry this week because it seems like I've been writing a lot. And I said, can you just give me an update on what's going on? I was surprised to learn that in the last 10 months, um, we've had over 100 babies that I've given, I wrote a note to and chose a scripture for, and I go, a hundred babies, that's incredible. What were you doing, doing during the pandemic? Is my... <laughs> there was a lot of activity of some sort because we're, we're in a baby boom um, this way, and I'm grateful for that. But this Metaniah, can I put that verse back up? This guy, I love this name. You know what it means in Hebrew? God's hope, God's hope. So I had this thought that when it comes to all these names, I have seen so many unique names I've never heard in my life from some of you parents. I don't know where you get your names. Some of them are wild. 
But I've also seen the rebound of other names like Edna, Agnes, Mabel, Earl. They're on the rebound. I got both sides of it. But I have not come across Metaniah. You know, we know Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. But have you ever heard of Metaniah? He was God's hope who brought prayer and thanksgiving to people on the outside, not just the inside. So I just have a recommendation for you because I know one of you right now somewhere at one of our sites is gonna have a baby today or tomorrow. We're repopulating that way. Can I name your baby? (laughs) Mataniah, Maddie for short, or Matt, or M, whatever you want, but hey, listen, I think it would be fun. I I just say, if you name your child Mataniah, I'm gonna do something very special for that little guy. I'm just (laughs) gonna put that promise out there altogether. So anyway, here we go. I wanna keep going in this uh, arena of how they came in and they populated through casting lots, how they populated through volunteering. Oh, the volunteering just created synergy. But you know the number one reason that they, they got repopulated and flourished again? Is they blessed. Isn't that the promise of God in Genesis 12? The very purpose statement of Westwood is based on that, that we are blessed to be a blessing. We were never kept to keep the blessing on our own. We were meant to give it away. They move into that powerful place of blessing. And I started to think, I, I've used throughout the years this, this home structure, what I call the three Ps of a home, that help us reach people with the love of Jesus Christ and invite them to return to their church or maybe come through that front door for the very first time. Our creative team didn't like my structures, so they have remodeled my home. And so I'm gonna use it again for here and near. It's much more beautiful than the home. Mine was a stick home. This is much better, it really is. And I want you to notice the foundation of the home is what? Bless, B-L-E-S-S, that's been around here for a decade. It's a way that we, because many people go, I don't know how to share the love of Christ. Well, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's very simple. Just bless them. It's an acronym. Begin with prayer. Pray for them. Pray for God to open hearts to bless them. The eldest foot, listen. Listen to them, understand where they're coming from. Don't make judgment about where they're coming from. Just listen and understand where they're coming from. The E is to eat with them because good things happen around food, amen? <laughs> food, God opens the heart around food. And the S is to serve them in some simple kind of way, perhaps. And the final S is to share, that is to let them share first and then you share with them. It's the door of opportunity, what I call the first P, presence. When we are present with people and we're with them, they can tell and it opens up the heart for us to move to the second floor, which is proclamation. It's the window. I say the window gives us clarity of view. And what gives us clarity of view is the name of Jesus. It's good to meet felt needs. Jesus met felt needs on the way to meet spiritual needs, but the name of Jesus needs to be elevated and you earn the right to gently do that when you've met them where they are. And then the third story is persuasion, which is so liberating, and you'll notice I even got a smokestack on this heart, on this house, so there's a fireplace in this house, and it's the, it's the fire of the spirit. I love this. Pressure's off, friends. You don't save anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's work, to draw people back in. Our call is to meet people where they are with blessing, to open up the window so that we could share the name of Jesus and watch what he will do in and through that. And when that happens, People want to come back because God put eternity in our hearts. He made us want to know him, but we get hardened, life gets difficult, and we become 
derailed in the journey. And here we have this invitation to open up the door of your homes. Not just for here, by the way, Easter is coming. Two times of the year where people are most receptive to come and re-enter our church, Christmas and Easter. Seize the opportunity, open up your door, make a connection, invite people to come this Easter. That's for here. But this house also serves well in the near ministry. Uh, opening the door to the families of the earth that are coming and blessing them because God asked us, this is God's heart, that we're blessed to be a blessing to the nations, to the families of the earth. And let me just give you a quick, simple example of just recently what's happened and the door got opened in uh, August of 2021 when uh, Afghanistan collapsed, all the people left and refugees went around the world. The United States got a lot of them. We have about 4,000 um, uh, Afghanis in our own backyard right now. And we were there in August of 21 when that happened as a church. So we did a collection drive and helped with just daily needs. A group here from our different sites have joined together. So we're coming alongside an Afghan family, front door, to help them, nine of them. It's a big family with their daily needs. What is it that they need, you know, from entering kids into school, learning how to drive? Where do you find groceries? Because our grocery stores are a lot different than what they're used to. We come along every step of that. A group of 140 women, Afghan women, had, one woman had learned about our hub, which is a welcome place to the families of the earth. We provide it free of charge because of your generosity. And they had heard about that and said they wanted to see if they could bring some of these Afghan women. They don't know each other. They're trying to find community. Would we allow them to use the hub? We did. We welcomed 140 women. No men, just women. And they got together to be together. That's continued now with a weekly gathering, Afghan women and a sewing social that they have. And a shout out to Bush Lake because you're providing the kind of care and service um, of love that communicates the love of Christ. And that speaks to the heart. Friendships are being established. And now we're in prayer with an individual, an Afghan gentleman who's um, interested in starting an Afghan church that we would be able to help come alongside. That's what near ministry does. And one of our fine leaders is Maurizio. He's spoken here, you've heard him, but maybe not his background. So Maurizio and Jacqueline are key leaders in our knee ministry, and I want you to hear their story. Destino is both. The destination and the journey. Destino is coming to the realization that God has a plan and you need to move towards that. Well, I, I grew up in Argentina uh, in a multicultural family. My grandfather moved from Spain to Argentina. Uh, also, my father and the whole family moved from Italy to Argentina as well. And it was uh, there when uh, my dad came to Jesus and the whole family started uh, serving God. And in, in those uh, young years, God spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to move to the United States. And I started serving uh, churches in Florida. And, and then after two years, I moved to Minnesota and I started serving uh, Latino churches. And one of my roles was leading worship. Through the music, and through ministry, I met now my wife, Jacqueline. At a very young age, I felt a call towards missions. And I was convinced that God was going to take me overseas to serve Him in some capacity after graduating from college. But what God spoke to my heart is that I'll bring the nations to you. 
I want you in Minnesota, and that's where I'm going to use you as a missionary. When I was serving in Latino churches in the United States, I started noticing a disconnection between the first generation and the second generation of Latino immigrants. And at first I didn't understand exactly what was going on until we got married and had our own kids. And then realizing the, the beauty, but also the complexity of speaking more than one language at home and, and embracing all the cultures represented and, 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 and creates something new. And, and then we realized that the church should be like that. That's when God called us to start Destino. Officially, Destino started in 2014. And at that time, we, we didn't start actually bilingual. Uh, but we really quickly uh, came to the realization that we needed to have both languages well represented everywhere. That way we can uh, really connect with everyone. And, and that started like a movement because people started to come uh, from all over the place. And now we have over 17 nations represented at church. The Destino Leadership Institute was born out of this realization that in order to really bless the second generation, you have to invest in the first generation so they can be more equipped and prepared uh, to be the parents that their kids need. In the Destino Leadership Institute, the parents are realizing that they are not stuck in their story they can move forward and, and they're realizing, hey, I, I can start my own business. Hey, I, I can do something uh, beyond of what I'm doing right now. That's amazing. Yeah, we hear a lot of testimonies of the parents who have taken classes in the Destino Leadership Institute and saying, I never thought I would have the opportunity to study beyond high school. And here I'm holding a diploma in my hands with a certificate in basic theology. And so as we're preparing students, we're also preparing future leaders, we're preparing future pastors, future missionaries. And so this is having a huge impact um, really throughout the world. When you realize that you have just a brief amount of time on this earth, whatever we do, has to be powerful enough to continue blessing people even when you're not here anymore. If we are planting a church just for a few years, that's too short of a vision. We're planting a church that has to be serving the community until Jesus comes back. So we need to make sure that we are doing something that's beyond ourselves. And that's my hope for Destino, that when the time comes to, when I'm no longer around, Destino continues its mission because people before me, they did that. And I want to do that for the next generation as well. I so appreciate that phrase. We have a brief amount of time. The scripture says that our life is but a vapor. And we want to just be sold out for the heart of God. In 2018, we cast a vision based on Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world, here, near, and far. And we were doing really well with the here 
touching a little bit on the near and the far. We've elevated both of them. So we cast a vision that by God's power through the partnership of co the culturally diverse leaders of uh, the, the churches in the Twin Cities that we would pray that God would grant 100 churches to be born by 2028. In 2018, we had one partner. Last October, we had 32 partners. Now we have 39. We're halfway through to the 2028 journey. This accelerates this movement of God and we're inviting you to consider to be part of it. And the reality is we're wise to do this because the world has come to our doorstep. The Twin Cities, if you're paying attention, is changing so rapidly you can hardly take it all in. There are just a little over three million people who live in the Twin City area. Over one million of them are immigrants. Take a hold of this. In the last 19 years, the population growth of the Twin Cities, 82% have been immigrants. 82% of the growth of the Twin Cities. And 89% of them have no church or perhaps access to Jesus because they come, they silo, it's safe, it's protected. We want those silos and borders to come down with the love of Jesus Christ. That's the hope that we have. There are about 195 nations in the world or so. Um, 162 are in the Twin Cities. 252 languages that are spoke, spoken here in the Twin Cities. We cannot ignore this. By 2034, there will be no majority people group in the Twin Cities. We're coming to the foot of the same cross on equal standing all the way. And Christ does that. And we want to avail ourselves. And by the way, as they come, they bring their religion with them. And it's astonishing to see the spiritual center that Minneapolis-St. Paul has become to the United States of America. For instance, we find that the largest Hindu temple is in Maple Grove, Minnesota. In the United States, the largest Hindu temple is right here in our backyard. The largest Cambodian Buddhist temple is in Hampton, Minnesota. And the largest mosque in the United States is being built right now in Minneapolis at the cost of $55 million. I'm just saying, they're bringing their religion with them. And I'm glad that they are because you know God put eternity in our hearts and he's opening up through the greatest migration of history, through change that's happening, the opportunity for people to come to understand. They have an inclination to know God. We should not be afraid of that. We should welcome that inclination. We just want them to know Jesus as well because God says you shall have no other gods before me and Jesus reveals to us who this beautiful God is and that's what we're seeking to do with here, near, and far. So just a couple things and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. I've given this invitation from the depth of my heart, the mission of our church and our board and the leaders that are coming together to say, would you become an FP? Would you become a first paragrapher? Would you allow and say yes to your name and your story being part of the next chapter of Westwood called Love Builds? Because love builds us up personally, love builds up our community that we live in, and love builds up the reputation of Jesus Christ. And if you want a why to your existence, why am I here? It's to increase the reputation of God and his love here, near, and far. You can pick up a booklet if you haven't already. More stories are there related here, near, and far. Where the dollars are going for for that $9 million. There's also a commitment card that's included in the center. Commitment Sunday is March 26th. We're going to gather for an amazing worship expression. I want to invite you to fill out a card and say, I want to pledge this amount and say, I want to be part of what God's doing here, near, and far. Just a final note, Carrie and I 
have made our commitment. We knew about this. We had hoped to make it at the end of October, November 1st timeframe. It didn't happen until December 1st because we had processed. And we've done this many times in our marriage together where we've given a gift above and beyond our regular tithe and offering. And usually we privately choose a number. We come, we start that process of discussion. And usually we're right there. Um, I was gonna say, I won't say it. <laughs> I was say face-to-face, but I don't know. We're usually right there. We weren't on this one. We were more here. It's the first time we had a gap, and it took us another month to make that decision. And it was because we got some big things happening. In our home, um, our, we've been in our home for, since 1995. We have a couple of big projects that just need some attention. And one of them is a deck because you will die if you sit on it too long. And the other... <laughs> is a kitchen which is just needing a facelift, I guess, but it, it created a process of dialogue for us because some of you can give out of abundance. Give thanks to God if you're in that given place. For some of you, you have to prioritize your life and say, we're gonna not do something so we can do this. And Carrie and I came to the decision to make the largest gift in our history at Westwood. But it means we're gonna do one thing and not the other. We're going to build the deck so we live. <laughs> and we're not gonna do the kitchen because the refrigerator works and the stove works and the dishwasher works and the sink works. It just needs a facelift. We can get by for a couple of years. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, how often we want to put a facelift on things that start to get tired and old, but it's functional. It works. We've made that decision with joy. We just invite you to do the same. Step into the process of where God might be leading you. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, this is an exciting time for our church. It's a catalyst to come back and repopulate, and it's also an opportunity to accelerate here, near, and far to your glory and praise. Lord, guide our steps. May it all be about you, knowing that everything comes from you and belongs to you, and everything is ruled by you, and everything is returned to you. Might that be our posture today and always in Jesus' name. Amen.